Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for joining us. Take a seat at the table. In this episode, we will be talking about our walk into motherhood. Seated tonight, I have Jen Dunn from Vancouver, British Columbia. Hello. Rachel Flanagan from St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey. Jamie Ramos from Denver, Colorado. Hello. Kim McIsaac from Boston, Massachusetts. Hi. And myself, Tabitha Cabrera from Phoenix, Arizona. So tonight we are going to talk about our journey into this world of mothering. Um, First, do you ladies um, want to start out with our first pregnancies? Kim, what was your experience with your very first baby boy? So my first pregnancy, I was 16 when I got pregnant with my son. So I was young. I had a typical pregnancy, but one of the things that happened to me when I was pregnant was I did a blood test that would tell you if your child could have certain special needs. I think it was Down syndrome Pacific. They called me and told me he was at a high risk to have Down syndrome, which completely at 16 obviously freaked me out. And we had to go get a special ultrasound and we had to see a genetic specialist and all these things. And I mean, I literally cried for like two weeks because I was, I didn't even know what, and they really scared me. They're like, this is serious. You need to make this appointment right away because I was 16 weeks pregnant. And like, if you would decide anything, um, it would have to be decided by 18 weeks or 20 or something. And, you know, they kind of like were jerks basically. So we went and did this specialized appointment. They were like, your age alone makes you like such low risk. They redid my blood work and it came back fine. They did a specialized ultrasound and they see no risk factors at all. I did go ahead and choose to go ahead with the amniocentesis because I just kind of needed to know either way. Everything was fine. And I feel like that kind of changed my perspective as a basically a teenager because it like scared me, you know, and it kind of helped like my father never really mentioned anything about the pregnancy. And obviously when everyone thought something could be wrong, it kind of changed everybody's attitude a little bit. So um, I feel like I went into it, even though I was young, you know, I was a little more grateful and stuff like that, maybe than your typical 16, 17 year old. Um, having a baby but other than that my pregnancy went pretty well I mean I was a little hormonal like everyone (laughs) yeah and I'm sure like my age too because your body's still going through changes anyway so I didn't have any real any like bad morning sickness or anything like that he was a week late kind of gained a lot of weight but they kind of encouraged me to because I was kind of small but they shouldn't have encouraged me as much as they did (laughs) 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 you know all in all, that was kind of, you know, it was pretty typical uh, besides that part of it. And then what about Alyssa? How was her pregnancy? So um, my next pregnancy, I was 19 when I got pregnant. Even though we were young, we didn't want my son to be an only child. So we wanted to have another one. Um, I was 20 when I had her. Um, her pregnancy went relatively well. I did have the morning sickness with her. I mean, it was kind of all day for the first four months. Um, I was in school and working and had a two-year-old when I was pregnant with her, but everything went pretty good. I only ended up having one ultrasound. I didn't really have any problems. I mean, that's so ironic looking back, but yeah, she was actually my only one out of four that was a planned pregnancy. So yeah, so her pregnancy, I mean, her pregnancy went pretty well. I was, you know, happy. I was excited to be having a girl. So now I was going to have a boy and a girl. We had our own apartment, but then we moved in with our, my mom, to, my mom and dad to save money for a house. So we were, you know, saving for a house and, you know, everything was going along pretty well. I was in college, you know, 
I was just yeah. kind of waiting for that white picket fence, but I didn't really ever get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, what about you? How was your walk into motherhood, your pregnancy? Yeah, I was 25 when I got pregnant and 26 when I had him. Relatively young. I hated being pregnant. It was not at all what I thought. I got very depressed in the beginning of pregnancy. Well, I'll start at conception. <laughs> but like me and my husband had kind of discussed it. We were actually living... We had finished college together the year before. And so we had kind of discussed having a baby. We lived in our friend's basement at the time. We decided to just try and see what happens. And then we would go from there. And we got pregnant basically on the first try. I was really concerned. There's a lot of miscarriage in my family. Um, my mom never had a miscarriage, but my sister did. My, a lot of my cousins did. My grandmother had a lot. So I, my whole life had kind of feared that I wouldn't be able to have kids because of this, or I would have to go through a lot of miscarriages before I had my first. So when I got pregnant right away, I was like, oh, and, and then I was worried for the first little while, but I got sick, like right off the bat, we had a trip planned and I've always gotten motion sickness. We had a trip planned, like the weekend I found out that I was pregnant and flying back from that trip, I had never had such bad motion sickness. And I always say like, it never went away. Like I was so sick and I got like really depressed. We hung out with a big group of friends. We had like a lot of like guys in and out of our house all the time. Um, Cause it was like a dude house we lived in. And um, I was just always in the basement room hiding and I got really depressed, but I remember Googling one day, pregnancy sucks. And I read this horrendous article about oh. from this lady who was like being super honest and like, but not what I needed all the time. She's like, everyone lies to you. It's horrible. And then, you know, like you're sick and you can get this and you can get hemorrhoids and stretch marks. And, you know, when you actually have the baby, you are probably going to poop yourself in a room full of people, like all this horrible stuff. And I, I really, really got really depressed. And my husband came on the day and I was bawling. He took me out of the house. Like we went to like a family event or something that I really didn't want to go to, but that was like the beginning, <laughs> the journey into pregnancy oh. for me. I was so sick all the time. Morning sickness is such a lie. It was not morning sickness for me. I was sick all the time. And that was my first, it did go away partway into my second trimester. And then it was like, all right, until the third trimester, then I got like huge. I'm pretty short. I'm five, two. So I like just blew up. I was working at a restaurant all the time. So I was always on my feet. And then I went into labor and that's a story on its own. But like up until that point, I was okay. The second trimester was okay. The third trimester was really rough. I did not enjoy being pregnant. I had never been so sick in my life. So <laughs> yeah. My pregnancy story which sounds awful but I like I did not love it what about you Rachel you have a different um, story than the other four of us so to talk to us a little bit about your walk into motherhood sure sure we adopted Celie and so I was 32 when she came but I was let's see 16 when I started dating my husband and we got married when I was 21 and pretty much at engagement we figured like if birth control gives me migraines then let's just be done with that and if we get pregnant before our wedding we'd like you know we're getting married and so we tried for a really long time and at some point we sort of brought adoption into our options because I was adopted and it was just sort of a, well, like if we can't make one, let's buy one. There's lots, there's lots available. Let's just do the darn thing. Uh, we knew that our family would come together in the way that it should, but, but it took a darn long time. And so when we got the call from Celie's birth mom, she was maybe like six weeks pregnant 
And so we got to be paper pregnant with her the whole journey. That meant we were at an ultrasound and we got to be there when we found out that C was a girl. And ultimately we were at her birth. Like I got to, I was nearly the catcher. I was certainly the first mom hugging. And I just think that's the most remarkable gift really. But it was, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I basically was like Billy and I called it paper pregnant over Facebook Messenger because that's how we were connected most to her birth mom. It's crazy. And do they, is that a choice and adoption for you to be able to come to the ultrasound and be part of that process? Is it a choice that the birth mother makes? You know, I would say that there's sort of several different lanes within adoption. There's older children that you would adopt through foster care and even younger, like my personal, like when I was adopted by my parents, I would kind of be in that same category because I was 10 weeks old. My birth mom had already terminated her rights. And so I was sort of like ready and waiting. And so when my adoptive parents got the call for me, it was like a Tuesday and you pick up your daughter on Thursday because it was totally ready. I mean, I was totally ready for Celie because it was a private adoption. We knew the birth mom while she was pregnant. Our legal team, uh, like represented us and her in our arrangement. And we had the opportunity to create a birth plan. So like we had open communication about prenatal appointments. We had the ability to like find out when she was going into labor and like they called us right away. We were there in 45 minutes and sitting around waiting for a baby. (laughs) I mean, like it's just different for everyone. For me, I being adopted, it was really important for me, if given the chance for an open adoption to support our birth mom unconditionally and just having the opportunity to do that through this crazy, like wicked, crazy time. You know, she's losing everything. We're gaining everything in the same moment while I'm at like the receiving end of someone being born. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah. Like, in the, like there's some flesh stuff happening. There's some spiritual stuff happening. There's some closure and some beginning. It is just bonkers, but I wanted her to know we were proud of her and there and grateful and oh Celie was my first like I was her first hold oh so cool Jen what was it like for you in this walk into motherhood well I didn't think and I think I touched on this in a different episode but I didn't think I could get pregnant Kaya's dad and I were together for seven or eight years before I got pregnant so I was supposed to get some fertility testing done on a Thursday, I found out I was pregnant on a Tuesday. I was like, no, no, you need to read my file. I can't get pregnant. They're testing me. Are you sure it was me? I was sick, but it was pretty uneventful. I went on Diclectin, I believe was the pill because I was sick. Like you said, it's not morning sickness, uh, which is ironic because they say they, whoever they are, if you're really, really sick, your baby's really, really healthy. So I find that very yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> and I, other than that, it was, it was pretty uneventful. I like Jamie did not enjoy being pregnant. I found nothing beautiful about it. You're uncomfortable. It's awful. You're sick. And I, I didn't, I never had, I never felt I'm not a spiritual person. I don't believe in any of that stuff. If you do, I don't mean it in a way, like I don't believe it, but I personally don't believe in that. I don't believe that kind of stuff. But I, from the moment I knew I was pregnant, I had this sick, sick feeling that sat with me the whole time that something was wrong with my baby. She didn't move. She was very just quiet in there. There was, there wasn't a lot of movement. So for me, I always had this kind of underlying worry all the time that it was pretty uneventful other than that. 
<laughs> yeah. I think for me with Nixon, we had waited so long to get pregnant. I was excited. I had a bit of morning sickness or everyday sickness, whatever you want to call it, all the time sickness with him. And I too did not enjoy being pregnant. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. For me, though, I found the most challenging part about being pregnant was not the physical aspect of it, but I felt my brain was cloudy all the time. Like I couldn't keep track of anything. I didn't know what was happening or I couldn't remember anything. I just remember thinking like, is this normal to have this much cloudiness going on in your brain all the time? Um, while you're pregnant. He was similar to Jen. He wasn't a very like movie baby. He was pretty mellow guy. And I really feel like both of my kids had their personalities at conception. You know, like I could tell immediately what kind of kid they were going to be a little bit because he was just always mellow, didn't really kick, didn't move around too much. And my daughter was the complete opposite. (laughs) His pregnancy was actually physically good until about seven months. And then we had a terrible time. I started swelling, my blood pressure started going up. Um, My OBGYN told me that I probably had high blood pressure before. And I was like, I've never had high blood pressure in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, well, you probably just never knew because it wasn't monitored. And it's probably situational because of your work, you know, whatever. She talked me into thinking that this was normal. And it really was not normal what was happening. So it was a very easy, mellow pregnancy as far as physically until the very end. And then it was a nightmare situation. I mean, he, I was smaller with him. I was bigger with my daughter, for sure. Second kid. It was, it was pretty normal. Kim, what about your um, delivery? of your kids how did that go for you so with my first i had a pretty rough labor it was really really long they end up giving me an seven epidural they gave me this medication called um, nubane i don't know if they still do that or not but it, they basically give it to you an iv and it kind of is supposed to like take the edge off a little bit <clears throat> help you sleep because they gave that to me i wasn't able to get the epidural because i started pushing i pushed for three hours with three and a half hours with him but his head had crowned after 45 minutes i had a midwife and i think that at a certain point like they probably should have done a c-section but they didn't because all of a sudden my son's um, heart rate started dropping it dropped really fast it dropped to about 30 heart, like heartbeats per minute which is you know really low and the lady had gone out to call the doctor the midwife and my father was in the hallway so he heard and the doctor didn't respond to the page right away and then when he did respond to the page he came in and there was about 15 people surrounding my bed but they don't like tell you what's going on you know what I mean Um, my mother was terrified because my blood pressure I had a fever my blood pressure was spiking she thought I was going to have a stroke she said at that point as horrible it is like her concern was for me my concern was obviously for my son but I didn't really even know what was going on so they came in um they decided to use vacuum uh, vacuum extraction it kept slipping off his head They had to do an episiotomy and they had to basically do it without numbing me because they needed to get him out like immediately. So they were basically like, oh, and for anyone. Yeah. Who hasn't had kids. That's like a terrible cut. Yep. So they, and it's a lot more terrible when it's an emergency because they, you know, they don't have time to be careful and gentle. And I literally screamed at the top of my lungs and they were like, don't scream push. And I'm like, okay. And I'm just, I kept pushing, but my um, contractions started decreasing the length of them. So it was like, they weren't strong enough to fully push them out. And I was just pushing and pushing. I mean, 
I just wanted it to end. Like I thought, I literally remember thinking like, this is not going to end. Like it's never going to end. Like I really thought it was going to be labor forever. Like it honestly felt like that. And it was terrifying because I mean, it was like a scene from the movie. When I say 15 people were surrounding the bed, like, you know, my husband's holding, well, he was my boyfriend at the time. He's holding the leg. My mother's holding the leg. My mother-in-law's there. Like my sister and father are out in the hallway. It was just, it got very chaotic. They got him out. They literally threw him on me, cut the cord and rushed him out of the room. His first APA was like a four and they literally like ran with him down the hallway. So it was terrifying. I didn't even get, I didn't actually get to see him until eight o'clock that night. My husband left and came back um, and then was like, I thought something happened and nobody was telling me. So when I finally got to hold him, you know, and see that he was okay, um, I think, and it just gave me a different perspective, even though I was young, that I was so afraid that something had happened to him. I was so, you know, and they told me basically flat out, they were like, cause he was nine, five and 22 inches, which they didn't know that, that he was going to be that big. And they're like, you're lucky he was so big because that like gave him a lot more um, strength. And they were like, if he was in there for even one more minute, he wouldn't have made it. It was pretty traumatizing. Oh my God. And the physical stuff and the pain stuff like didn't really matter. Like what really, you know, what really mattered was like that he was okay. Like that's all. Cause people have told me like, and you had more after that, but it's like, you know what I mean? That stuff wasn't even, I didn't care about that. Like once that was over, it was more the fact of like, you know, cause when you're 17, you don't you don't realize all the stuff that can go wrong. You know, you just think you get pregnant and you have a baby. Like that's what it, se- it seems like it happens to everybody. You think that's going to happen to you. You know, there's a lot of things that happen between getting pregnant and getting that baby in your arms. And you don't realize it until you're pregnant. And then, you know, things start happening and tests get run. And I don't know, it's crazy. Yeah, it was, and it was pretty traumatic. Mental. Yeah, traumatic. <laughs> yeah. And how did it go with Alyssa? So when I had, so Alyssa and Alyssa's um, labor went a lot easier. We had gotten to the hospital at like nine o'clock. My husband's grandfather had passed away and his wake was actually the morning. I was actually in labor at the wake. Like I I could feel the contractions and they hurt, but it wasn't like, you know, and then when we, I swear my body was like holding it in until we could like get through all that. And my husband dropped me off at home on his way to work. Once he left, it was like the contractions started coming. So I held off as long as I could. We went to the hospital. It was me and my mom and him. And we got to the hospital. I was like the only one there having a baby that night. So I got like, you know, the royal treatment. Um, <laughs> and when I was there, I was already four centimeters. So it was kind of good. I had decided that um, I didn't want to get an epidural because of the length of time I was in labor with my son and the contractions weakening and all that. I you know, I didn't want anything that could possibly prolong it. And then as I was in labor, the pain on my back started getting really bad. I remember I'm in the bathroom with Neil, who was um, my husband, uh, he was my boyfriend at the time. And I go, why didn't I want the epidural? Do you remember what the reason was? <laughs> He's like, just get it, just get it. Um, at that point, like, I was like, I literally can't do this for another 12 hours. And I'm thinking it's going to be like my first labor, you know? And um, this one was being delivered by a doctor, but for anybody there who doesn't have a child, like the doctor doesn't stay in the room with you, <laughs> you know, it's pretty much the nurse. And I was like, uh, where's the doctor? I, I need to see her. Like, where's the doctor? So they kept, you know, kind of calling her back and they're like, she's here. She's right out there. Don't worry. I mean, I was very paranoid. And then um, they came in to give me the epidural and they had, my husband had to leave the room and get oxygen. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, Neil did. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Uh, 
he doesn't do good with needles so when he saw the needle he started oh, turning God. white and they're like oh they're like oh my god come, come out here like put an oxygen mask on and meanwhile this miserable lady's like you can't move don't move at all and i'm like oh god he's why is he getting the good treatment i'm getting yelled at so then they gave me the epidural and then i was like oh, i don't think it's working <laughs> they're like no it is and i'm like i'm pretty sure it's not um so then they were like so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like I have to push, which was so odd to me because I thought this was going to happen in like eight hours. They're like, oh, maybe. So they check me and I was like nine and a half centimeters and they're like, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so like, I really didn't need to get the epidural because mm-hmm. I was basically just about there. But in hindsight, it was a good thing I did because the only issue we had with her is um, when I was delivering her, her shoulders got stuck. So her head was out, but not her shoulders. And they couldn't get her shoulders out. They were really trying hard not to cut me again because I had been butchered the first time. Basically, they were trying their hardest not to. But even even when they after they cut me, they still couldn't get her out. So then they had to go and get like the head of obstetrics or whatever you call it. Like not just the doctor that was delivering her. They had to get another doctor because they couldn't get her shoulders out. Basically, what they had to do is they had to like push her in a little bit and hook her armpit and just rip her out. Um, they thought she like, they dislocated her shoulder, but they didn't. And she ended up being, you know, she was fine. The only, only thing was she was 10, four, which hence the shoulders <laughs> and she was 22 inches. So she was a big girl. I delivered a three month old. <laughs> Those, your babies are gigantic. Oh yeah. She God. was really big. And the thing is, I knew she was big and I kept telling the doctor, I wanted ultrasound and they were like, he kept pushing it off every week. And he goes, no, she's like eight pounds. And that was the same day I had her. She was born on her due date. Outside of that, it went pretty well. Yeah. And then I just had the, you know, the challenge of having two children. And then you had two more after that. And I had two more after that. Yeah. But there was a lot of years in between. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about you, Jamie? How was your labor and delivery of your babies? My first, Jesse, I remember it. Like, I remember doing like the birthing class and they're like, we ended up having just the one we got scheduled for happened to be an instructor who normally does naturally birth stuff. So she kept like pushing that in there kind of, even though it was the regular birthing class. And I was like, after that, I was like, maybe I can do it natural. So <laughs> the night I went to labor, which was, I was like three days early with him, although they changed my due date early on. And I was like, so I actually think it was four days late, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. I remember I finished the season, the series finale of parenthood. I remember this and I was folding laundry And I just started kind of feeling something. I was like, oh, I think this is it. Cause I had had some like Braxton Hicks, whatever. And that night, like, so I went to bed. No, I did my hair and then I went to bed and I'm in bed and just all night I keep, I'm sleeping. And then I wake up when I have a contraction, I'm sleeping like, cause it's like every 10 minutes at that point. And then towards like 3 AM I'm up, like I could feel it. It's hurting. And I go at home as long as I can, because that's what they tell you to do. And so I got to like 1 p.m. and I was just contracting on and off all day. It was a Friday. My husband ended up staying home because I was like, this is it. We're going to have the baby. So we go into the hospital and the whole time it's all in my back. I always imagined that like um, contractions were like period cramps, like in your stomach. And I was having back labor. I didn't even know what that was at first, but it was so painful. So every time I had a a contraction, my poor husband would come and like massage my back as hard as I was And I was like, this sucks so bad. So then by the time we get to the hospital, like my contractions are close together. I know like I'm in labor. They're like, are you going to want that? I was like, yes. (laughs) 
like <laughs> I technically didn't do a birth plan. Like I kind of had an idea of a birth plan, but it was my first time. And I told at this hospital, you meet with a nurse like weeks before and you kind of go through things. And I was like, I'm kind of just going to see what happens when I need it. She's like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Your nurse will love you. And I was like, okay, good. <laughs> I just didn't know. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to be like, I'm having a natural birth because I'll probably crap out, which I did. Like, so I was just having all back. Like my sister came in and my poor sister took over for, for my husband. Cause my sister is a massage therapist. So she started massaging my back all the time. My urine tests at the hospital, the whole time during my pregnancy, they never caught this or said anything, but I had preeclampsia all of a sudden. And I had swelled up a lot that last like 48 hours. And so then all of a sudden, like it slowly kind of became like an emergency in a way. And like Kim was saying, I just didn't know this was my first one. All of a sudden there's just like more people checking on me. And there's like a lot more nurses in the room. I didn't realize that that wasn't normal or typical. And so we're just putting in there like, okay, the way to solve this problem is just getting the baby out is just getting the baby out. So I'm in labor for a while. They keep moderate monitoring me and it's at like 9 30, I start pushing and, and then his heart rate starts going up and then my heart rate. So we're having heart rate issues. They put me on oxygen. Uh, I had never been on oxygen before. So that was like trying. So every time in between pushing, they would put the oxygen on my face. Like someone would shove it on my face and I'm like, ah, so I'm trying to like breathe. Like, you know, oxygen is obviously helping you, but like when that mask is on your face, you feel like it's not helping. You're like, I can't breathe. It's awful. Um, awful. So, I hate Yeah. And my mom's holding a leg and my husband's holding a leg and my sister's in the room helping me. And my sister, like, I'm so grateful she was there. She's like the type of person that will just like, you need something, you need me to yell at a nurse, you need this, yes. So she was awesome. But I pushed for a good while, then pretty typical from then on out. He came out, no emergencies. Otherwise, everything with the preeclampsia, as soon as I got him out, my blood pressure normalized pretty quickly in the few hours afterwards. I was swollen for like 24 hours, but it went down pretty quick. With my daughter, I didn't talk about that pregnancy a lot, but that pregnancy was a lot harder. I was sick the entire time. There was like one week of reprieve where I, I wasn't sick, but it was really bad. And it was hard having a, another child who um, at the time he hadn't been diagnosed, but we were pretty sure he was autistic. Um, we were actually going through the process during pregnancy of getting him um, diagnosed through the school system. And so that pregnancy was really hard. And with her, when I went to labor, I also had back labor back labor, not always, but sometimes it's because your baby's in the wrong position, like facing your back. And so with her, that's, was the case. And I was having extraordinarily long contractions. So I was normally your contractions a minute long. I was contracting for five minutes at a time, five to seven minutes, which is like supposed to be the space in between contractions. So I would not be contracting for a minute to two minutes and then be contracting. So that really reared up around like I think one or 2 PM, 1 PM is like my time to go to the hospital and you, you know, you call them and the person on the phone's like checking you really in labor because you might not be right about this. And I'm like, I'm in labor. And on the way to the hospital, I'm like screaming because the contractions are so bad. And this was a new hospital for us. And at this hospital, you check in and you go to like, um, a, a room first for them to check you and make sure you're actually in labor and we were in there for so long and like the air conditioning wasn't working. And I was like crying to myself. I was like, this baby's going to come because I thought since my contractions were so close together, but the nurse was like, she's like, no, your baby's just facing the wrong way and your body's trying to turn her. And so it was like incredibly painful. And then same thing at the hospital, we found out I had preeclampsia again, but this time it was less scary. The first time I was really scared. I don't know if anyone watched Downton Abbey, 
but someone dies in Downton Abbey because of preeclampsia. Obviously, medicine has changed a lot, but I just remember being like, I have preeclampsia, like that chick. Oh, crap. But with my second, I knew better. And I, that night, I'm really glad this was my second and not my first. So I had Kaiser insurance, which some states have, some don't, but basically through them, you only see your actual doctor a couple of times. The rest are with nurse practitioners. And then when you go to the hospital, you just get whatever doctor's there, mm-hmm. like through their, the, this insurance company. And so it was like a new doctor, but that night in the hospital, seven women were in labor at the same time. So literally wow. doctors are running from room to room. I had no four doctors come checked on me at different points in time than my assigned doctor, like, because they're like, oh, she's delivering this baby. And so, um, Amelie was born at 1201 AM. And I always joke, like she wanted to be different from all those other babies. Cause she was the last one born <laughs> and she was the only one born the next day. <laughs> so, but both, you know, like both scary moments during pregnancy and both like filled the room with nurses and doctors, because it was like a lot of this could happen with Jesse. I got a lot more of like, well, we're going to have to do a C-section if he doesn't come out. They didn't really mention that with Amelie as much, but I had told them I had been through it. So I think that also helped. But besides that, they both came out really healthy and good. Um, one baby had Jesse had jaundice and that we had to stay an extra night because of that. And then with Amelie, it took a lot longer for my blood pressure to normalize. So I had to stay at that point. They were letting you go home after 24 hours. I had to stay the 48. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, it's just stressful. Like both of your stories. I'm just like on the edge of the seat. What happened next? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, how was um, your experience with labor and delivery? Of your silly girl. Yeah. So we, someone had mentioned that tabs, I think it was you, that you feel like personality is their conception. And I'll tell you, I had a deal with Celie's birth mom that if she was up in the night or in a good thing or in a weird thing or in a hard thing that she'd connect because I wanted to support her and whatever she's going through. But I wanted to know like, what's happening. I'm just over here, like not reading a book about that. Like, I don't know what's going on for you. And so she often would say that Celie is going to come out in Nikes. Like the kid is going to run from the start. She, (laughs) so when she arrived, you know, fulfilled, (laughs) like she was, she's been a Hellcat since the first moment. Um, But her like leading up to her actual birth, again, for us is just weird. I mean, we're in a lobby or like a family waiting area. And we had gotten a call at like maybe noon or 1230. And we got to the hospital right after we didn't see anybody until 230. And that, you know, that's just like Jeopardy music the whole time. Like, oh my God, where are the people? What's going on? Are we still doing this? Like, come on, what's going on? And eventually her, maybe, maybe I should describe that my husband and I are connected to my daughter's birth mom, because my mom knew the birth moms, like mentor momish gal. So that woman came to the waiting room and was like, we got to talk. This is maybe not what she wants to do. She would like to keep the baby. We're going to really like, we have to look at our options. I just wanted to let you guys know because things are getting a little bit complicated in retrospect. I don't think at all in any capacity, there was an option to keep the baby. I think the option was there that it would or would not go to us. And 
So all in all, the story ends well. So sit back in your chairs, ladies. We got Celie Flanagan, but um, it was really tense and it's terrible. And it's terrible because Billy and I, throughout this one, like a dozen years of adoption process had gotten very, we'll cry a little. We'd gotten very close to building our family many times. So to have that moment while we're literally like trying to like ground ourselves and say like, holy mackerel, we're in a hospital. We're fixed to be a mom and a dad. Like you want to live in the hope of that. And then you just, I mean, we had had a crib for years. We had moved and reset up the nursery. We had all of, all of it. And we had an expired car seat one time. (laughs) Like We bought it. It expired. Still no baby bought another one. Celie didn't use that one either. (laughs) So that happened around two-ish or something, 2.30. And we didn't get resolved. Oh, I'm going to cry again. We didn't get resolved from that really until later. And at 10, we heard that there was real strong contractions happening like 10 p.m. eight hours later. If anybody's still sitting forward on their chair, we got news that there was, you know, contractions and there was stuff going on like birth style, which again, I bought that baby. I don't know, but it was progressing and it was whatever is happening in that room. Then I got told that she'd like to connect with me and, and things are really like are my kids about to be born. So I go in there thinking that I'm going to have this come to Jesus heart to heart moment with the birth mom. And instead it is like stirrups. We are having a baby right now. And so I find myself at her right heel and the nurses all are knowing that this is no, at first they were not knowing that I was the adoptive mom. And so this lady's like, what are you doing here? Like, who, who, who are you? Like thinking I'm a high school friend or I don't know why you show up and get positioned at the right heel, but there it was. And I said, um, I am the adoptive mom, like through a broken voice. And she goes, get in here. And she like pulls me by the elbow. And now I'm past the right heel and I'm in the middle and we are having a child. And like three minutes later, um, out pops purple Sealy Flanagan and no one, I attended no birthing class. Okay. So nobody told me that this baby was going to be purple and nobody talked about it. And because of the tension in the room of like, you're having it, I'm taking it, that whole thing. It, nobody was speaking. So I thought she was dead. I thought she was dead and nobody was going to talk about it. <laughs> so then I'm holding her like in seconds later and I'm like she was purple then I'm a mom like it just hits me like I am her mom I'm holding her we will be terminating rights in like when the medication wears off I am a mom (laughs) and so we held hands for a moment then Celie was held by her birth mom and then my husband got to meet my kid and uh, parents came in, it got weird because there's afterbirth. <laughs> oh, I have a question, Rachel. So how did you go from yeah. thinking that, thinking that this maybe wasn't going to happen while you're in the waiting room? Like, did somebody come and tell you, like, how did you figure out that you were going to be the mom? Like from the moment that you, I found you know, myself standing at the end of a right heel. Uh-huh. I thought we were going to have a talk girl. And suddenly I had a baby. I, I don't know. We had a lot of conversation because after the meet and greet and then like, you know, like everybody does that, she goes off to recovery. I go across the hall with Billy and see 
and I'm fine. She's good. He's great. We were not in this, like we were in a trauma too. Believe me, those were some hours in that room. Like she was born at two 34. So from two 30 to two 30, we were pretty much in a hard place. People were in the waiting room and like thrilled and having their babies. <laughs> like, I mean, the dads yeah. were getting called out. Like they, so you know, the fact that they, I didn't know. The fact that they called you in the room kind of is what made you realize that like, this. Was no, I thought happening. we were having a talk. Like I thought we were going to talk it out. I thought we were going to have like little chats, how, how it's going. I want to connect with you. I mean, it just was not clear. It was not clear. Then in Minnesota, I believe you have to wait a certain length of time from medication to terminate rights. And so we left with our daughter and we had a legal plan for that. Um, and we had custody, but we did not really, it was, it's like under this foster adopt gray space. They're in crisis. This is the, what's going to happen. So she leaves with us. Right. And so two days later, I met her birth mom at a coffee shop. Our lawyer met us there and we terminated rights and Six months after that, Billy and I, uh, no, it was supposed to be up to six months, but it, we ended up finalizing on May 18th. And so a couple of months later, we were planning bill forever. Planning oh in, my like, gosh. Just awesome. Oh. What an incredible story. But we lined the hospital on Wednesday at 1230. Like she got discharged at the same time we got discharged bananas and we left to the baby. And then oh that gosh. thing hits you that hits everybody, right? That's like, there's not a nurse here. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is forever. This is that thing I wanted for yeah. years. Oh my God, it's happening. So one uh, more question. Go was yeah. Billy Was Billy in the stay away with Akasi, just in case? So um, no, we were really broken. Yeah. Like we were so broken by our adoption process. And I don't think, um, you know, it's not like in terms of spirituality, I was so tapped out. Like I, I don't even feel like I was in my body, that whole hospital experience really. I mean, I, I worked hard to be present because this is like big business, mm -hmm. but I, girl, yeah. we were both like still. Okay, good. Okay, good. Let's go. Okay. Wait, still. Okay. Yeah. But still, can yeah. she call me dad yet? Kind of stuff. I mean, we were, it was, it's terrifying. Oh, oh just mind blowing. Yeah. It really is. And beautiful. Scary. Mind blowing Stunning. And, yeah. and she's so ours. And we learned a lot later about prenatal care and we learned a lot more. We're still learning, but as far as our plan and commitment to one another, as far as parents of, you know, and caring, Celie's birth parents and us, it's pretty sweet. Pretty awesome. Oh, what yay. about you? Yeah. Yay, baby. What about yeah. you, Jen? How was your experience? Well, actually can't believe I forgot to, to mention this, which is actually what led to, I had a C-section, but early on, I think I was maybe 10, 10 weeks. I, was, I wasn't even three months. I started bleeding and I, I had to go to the hospital. And so I got an, early, an ultrasound really early. So I got to hear her heart. So that terrified me, which led to me being terrified to give childbirth. I just, I was terrified of it. I, I was like, it's never going to happen. I'm it's going to hurt too much. My OBGYN gave me the choice. So I got to choose a C-section, which a lot of people are like, I've never heard of that. But she said that rather than me sitting in labor for 20 hours and my body being exhausted and blood vessels expanded, if you do the C-section without all that trauma, 
you just heal so much faster. And I did, I had a C-section. So they, one week prior to her due date, I had her April 6th. I went in my best friend and my mom, my mom came in the room with me. Um, no one told me how to get a needle in my back. So that was fun. But I just remember them saying, you have to lay down right away. Cause they didn't want the top of me to freeze. So that was a little bit jarring. Uh, apparently I had the best anesthesiologist. The nurses kept telling me how lucky I was. Cause they're like the best in the hospital. And um, he was really funny. He was cracking jokes the whole time. And I remember saying to him, he said, if, you, if it gets heavy on your chest, let me know. And I did. I said, I felt like I couldn't, I felt like there was an elephant on my chest. Clicked a little button and all of a sudden I felt better. I had her, she did not cry. So I was really alarmed by that. It took a while before she cried. They whisked her away. And um, I remember they took my mom and they told her to look down because my guts were still open and all over the room. And then, and then I heard her cry. They brought her to me after they cleaned her up and I had severe carpal tunnel at, towards the end of my pregnancy. And I remember saying, I'm going to drop the baby. I can't hold her. I can't feel her take the baby. And yeah, that was it. It was very uneventful. I had uh, Dr. Blazinski was my, the lady that did the C-section. She did them all day long. She was literally just, I was, I went home. It was just Kaya and I, same thing. When my friend dropped us off, I was like, you're leaving. Uh, I don't know what to do with her. What, what am I, what am I, what am I doing with her? Just eat? What do you mean just eat? Now what? Feed, you know, all of it. Yeah. And I was fine. I, my, my townhouse was two floors. You're not supposed to carry anything. Well, I was alone. So I carried her up and down in her bassinet and I had no problems. It was, I was very lucky. I, I had no problems with my C-section whatsoever. It was a really good birth for me. Yeah. I also had carpal tunnel. And that's another thing that they're like, so oh what? yeah, that happens a lot because you just like, you just swell up and you gain weight and you're. And I was like, that's another thing no one tells you about. Like, and it's painful. It's- it's, I couldn't write towards the end. My assistant had to do all of my writing and she would have to do all my typing for me. I couldn't even type. Like I had nothing left. She'd massage my hands for hours with, with lotion and just my arms hurt so much. Yeah. You know, I had no idea you could, could get tarp- carpal tunnel for being pregnant. So yeah. I literally almost dropped her when they put her in my arms because I couldn't, I couldn't feel her. Yeah. It was bizarre. Yeah. That was it. That was our story. Oh my gosh. Carpal tunnel. I didn't I even... actually, yeah, I, I just learned I, something. Me new. too. I did <laughs> not I know was that. today years old. <laughs> <laughs> and actually it came back about four yeah. years ago and I need to have surgery on both wrists. So they said it's very common that it, it can come back. Tips, oh. how about you? Oh my gosh. So my son, I would say probably around 30 ish weeks, I started to swell and have blood. Well, I had blood pressure issues throughout my pregnancy, but it got pretty bad around 30 ish weeks. And I was traveling to Montana for my sister's wedding and I checked my blood pressure and it was like 160 over 90 at that point. And so I went to the doctor's office and I was like, am I okay to fly? this seems pretty high. My legs were enormous, like huge, crazy, big swollen, like out of the normal, not just like swollen legs. Like you could push on them. And there was an indent in my, my skin, how swollen my legs were. And she was like, no, I think you'll be fine. If you get up to 180 over a hundred, come to the emergency room, you know, keep monitoring your blood pressure, no medication, no tests, nothing. Sent me so they were, way. were they testing your urine at this point? For, mm, that's no. insane to me that they, oh. yeah. And they might've done urine tests at the, my regular 
doctor's appointments, but they didn't say anything about protein issues or anything in my urine at that point. So I think I was getting regular like urine tests when you go to the appointments and they make you pee or whatever. And so I went to the wedding. And then when we came back, I was having this pain behind my belly button type. And I also mentioned that to my OBGYN and she's like, oh, you might have a hernia, whatever. And so I owned my own practice at the time. And I had, I represented kids. I had to drive to a visit that's about 45 minutes away to visit one of my kids and drive back. Well, the pain got so bad in my side that I couldn't even sit up on my drive home from that visit. Like I had to lay my seat back in my car to drive home from that visit. So we get home, my husband had to go run and do something. And then I started getting like really dizzy and faint. I took my blood pressure. It was 180 over like 110, which is outrageous, first of all, which I didn't know. Like if you're in that category, you could have strokes it's super dangerous. So then I go, I call him and I'm like, we need to go to the emergency room. Um, We went to the OBGYN emergency room. They were immediately like, okay, we got to admit you. We went back and we were in like the holding area kind of (laughs) where they first check you out and do, you know, get you all set up. And they were monitoring the baby and monitoring me and then they took me to the ICU section. And so we're in the OBGYN ICU place. I'm being monitored. Um, they're not really telling me much. They're like, we need to give you a shot for the baby's lungs. Cause my son was 33 weeks and four days at this point or 33 weeks at, at this point when we're at the hospital, they give us a shot, me a shot of steroids to get his lungs to develop. And so they were kind of waiting out, I think it's 48 hours for the steroid to work on the baby's lungs. So they were monitoring us and then they put me on uh, magnesium, which is terrible. It's this medication to keep you from having strokes, to keep your blood pressure down. And I was being monitored, but they were giving me too much medication for me, for my body. And at one point I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't see, like I had double vision. I couldn't lift my legs. I told my husband, I'm like, we need to get someone in here to do some blood work to figure out I can't see right now. So they did blood work and realized that I was on too much magnesium, reduced the magnesium. I still couldn't see. And by this point, my face was completely swollen. My eyes were swollen, my hands. I didn't even look like the same person. It was outrageous, which I didn't know, thank God, because I couldn't really see myself. We were in this tiny, tiny room. It was the smallest thing. And I was so hot. I kept telling them to turn the air down. And so it was like 60 degrees in there. (laughs) And my husband, so as they're monitoring me, he's staying. My best friend flew into town because it was an emergency. So she was there. They were both in and out um, trading off, like sleeping in the room with me. And then at one point they tried to induce me. And so they gave me some medication. I started having mild contractions, but I wasn't dilating at all. And so then, oh my God, this is terrible. They brought in this like balloon that they put inside of you to dilate you. It was terrible, did not work. And I didn't realize, same with you guys, like I didn't realize that this was such a emergency situation or what kind of terrible situation I was in because no one was telling me anything. Like I had obviously severe preeclampsia at that point. It was outrageous that they did not do a C-section earlier, but no one was talking about it. 
And then they started doing my blood work every four hours. And I'm like, why are they doing so much blood work? Like what's happening? Well, it turns out that I had help syndrome, which is a very rare pregnancy complication that you can get with preeclampsia and your organs start to fail. So my liver was failing, which is why I was having this side pain happening, um, which is a sign of preeclampsia for anyone. If you have any pain in your stomach, please tell your doctor immediately. But I, the pain in my side got worse and worse and it was unbearable. And then same thing. I had a rush of people coming into my room at one point as they're trying to induce me and all this stuff. And they were like, as the pain's getting worse, I was screaming in so much pain, not from contractions, from my liver failing basically. And they're prepping me for a C-section. They're like, we need to do emergency C-section. They take me down the hall. I'm screaming in pain down the hallway. My husband's getting prepped for the C-section and I still can't like really see. And they stick that needle in your back. I remember the doctor saying in all the blur of everything that was happening, he was like, why is she screaming like that? And the nurse said, who said that? I'm sorry. The the C-section doctor, whoever was doing my C-section. Why is she screaming like that? And the nurse said her liver is failing. And I was like, what the living hell is happening right now. No one had said anything about anything to me about that. And so they stick this needle on my back. It was the most glorious feeling on the entire planet. And I like remember bits of a C-section, not really. I was so out of it from pain and how long, this was like days later. So we had been in the hospital by I mean, probably three-ish days where they had been monitoring me, trying to induce me, giving me all this medication. I've been on magnesium this whole time. And I don't remember my son being born. I remember Nick saying, can you please show her the baby? So, and I turned and looked at him and then they whisked him away because he's, you know, only 33 weeks and four days old. And I remember being in recovery and Nick came in and he's like, you did such a good job. Oh, getting emotional he's fine. You know, they're taking care of him. And I remember saying to him, I was like on so much morphine at this point. I was like, I need a peanut butter hamburger. Someone give me some food. (laughs) I'm so hungry. (laughs) Well, after I was like, Oh, I'm so glad the baby's everything's fine. Please someone feed me something because I hadn't (laughs) ate anything for like so many days by that point. And I was just like delusional and on so much medication. But then I woke up in the um, ICU and I didn't actually get to see Nixon until like I couldn't walk. They had to wheel me down to the NICU to see him. I think it was like half a day or more before I actually got to see him. And when I did get to see him, he was in it. Um, incubator hooked up to like 87 different things. And I remember we being wheeled in and I stood in front of the incubator and I couldn't even stand that long to look at him. And oh, it was devastating. Still is. So then they were, as I'm recovering from the C-section, they're like, okay, if you walk, it's going to help. So I just immediately was like trying to walk and get moving so I could go be with him because he was so far away. I couldn't see him. I couldn't hold him or be with him. And I was so, so sick. And they were all telling me like, just be concerned with yourself. Like he's fine in the NICU. I'm like, okay, but I just had a baby. Like I want to see my baby, you know? And he was so small. He was four and a half pounds when he was born. And, and they same kind of with Kim's experience where they said that because he was big for his gestational age. There is nothing the same about four and 10. (laughs) I just... (laughs) 
Uh, Alyssa's right shoulder. <laughs> Might have been four and a half out. No. No. But they told us um, he did so well because he was big for his gestational age. And so oh. he survived that experience. And, and then I was in the um, ICU, I think, total 10 days recovering myself because I was so sick. I almost died and I didn't realize that. I was going to say, it must have been terrifying for your husband. Yeah. Like yeah. watching. What did that. he know? I know I've got questions now. <laughs> what he did, did he know during the time that you didn't? Nothing. Neither one of us. Neither one of us knew really. Until the liver? Oh yeah. Gosh. We did not. But really he know. could see you yeah. and you looked like Hitch. Yeah. Yeah. He knew, obviously, that things were going crazy bad, um, but we were just being told what we should be doing. Like, they're like, we need to give you this steroid. We need to start inducing you. We need to try and get you to deliver this baby, which seems outrageous at this point. Like, I wish I would have known because I would have just been like, C-section me. Don't try and have me deliver a four and a half pound baby naturally that's not ready to come. Like, my body's failing. The baby's not ready to come right now. You know, like, what are you talking about? Let's try and induce you. That's crazy. But at the time, first baby didn't know anything about anything and I was so sick for such a long time like and they don't they didn't really tell us that either that help syndrome has a really long recovery bounce back you know and some people get blood transfusions because your platelets also drop dramatically like not only is your liver failing but your platelets in your body are like going to zero and so I realized later it might've been better if I would've got a blood transfusion, which I didn't get. I mean, the hospital did an amazing job. The NICU was spectacular. Like the way that they treated my baby, how they took care of him. Like they're known for their pediatric medicine there, all of that. But as far as my experience, and I don't know if it was just because it was such an emergency, they were figuring it out as it was coming and it happened so rapidly because help syndrome has a really quick onset. Like some women don't even catch it. It has a one, like a quarter percent mortality rate. So one out of four die from help syndrome when delivering moms. their baby because they moms? don't catch it. Yeah, moms. Yep. So it was just like a mess. And then I went home with this little tiny because he. Okay, so first I went home and he was still in the NICU. So I had to leave my baby at the hospital and go home without him, which was terrible. So he was in the hospital 21 days, I think, total. My numbers might be not completely accurate but somewhere around that range and I was traveling back and forth to do every feeding I was sleeping in his little room once they moved him to a room pumping you know I was going back for every feeding that I could possibly go back just to be with him and that happened for weeks when you have a NICU baby you never I'm really sorry, tabs yeah. what is a feeding when your baby's in the NICU and four pounds like does that mean you were there every two hours does that mean that you were he was in an incubator or you were breastfeeding or what's happening all of that yeah so he was on a feeding tube because he was so small and so yeah. I would pump and then they would put it in his his feeding tube 
basically. Mm -hmm. And then they taught him how to use his mouth because when you have a NICU baby, their gestational age, they don't know how to, they haven't learned yet how to do the motion with their mouth to eat. And so they bumped him up to bottles. And actually this kid, he's so funny, even as a little tiny baby. So the nurse, one night I came in for a feeding and she was like, so he doesn't have a feeding tube anymore because I came into the room and he had torn it out and he was just holding it up in the air. (laughs) I love him. He just like was like, no, thank you. We're done with this feeding tube. Here you are, lady, just (laughs) holding it up in the air. That's a little tiny baby. Um, So they didn't put it back in and then they had him eating with a, a bottle. But when you have a NICU baby, they never really tell you when you get to take them home. So every day you're hoping that today will be the day that you get to take your baby home. And it was torture just and so soul crushing, I think, because every day you're leaving your baby to be cared for by nurses and sleeping when you can. And then my husband And I would trade off taking milk to the hospital because my body was trying to catch up with the amount that he was eating, but he wasn't nursing. And so it wasn't being able to, you know, produce milk as quickly as he was going up in ounces or whatever. So we finally got to take him home. And then I was pretty sick for a while. And I owned my own practice at the time. And so I went back to work 10 weeks after I went into the hospital. And it was terrible. I should not have done that. But I did. Um, Luckily, my husband, like we didn't have to leave him with anyone. My husband was in school at the time. And so we kind of managed our schedules that way. But it was terrible. I mean, I still have like so much trauma from that experience. And then my daughter, um, when we got pregnant with her, it was just a pregnancy full of um, anxiety you know, because of this whole experience. And, and luckily with her though, I thought was great. I got a maternal fetal medicine doctor because I had such a bad experience. The first time they had me double monitored. So I had an OBG, a new OBGYN who was amazing. And, and then, uh, and then a (laughs) maternal fetal medicine doctor who was the nicest man on the planet. He probably delivered like 10,000 babies because anytime I went in there and I was like, Hey, can you do my blood work? Cause I'm feeling kind of weird. He'd be like, sure. I'll put in an order for you. I'm like, great. Thank you. You're great. He was just like the best. Like any concern I had, he'd be like, let's monitor you. Let's hook you up. Come back tomorrow. You know, whatever I was freaking out about, even though if it was just like anxiety, he would just do the test just to make me feel better about the experience. And then towards the end, I was going in, they would monitor her movement and do my blood work. I think I was at twice a week, I was going in to the doctor's office towards the end of my pregnancy with her and my daughter, oh, that girl, she was so low for like week and I was having contractions and my doctor had talked to me about a VBAC, which is a regular birth after a C-section. And I was like, kind of on board with it. I'm like, you know, maybe I could have delivered the baby naturally, who, you know, is this emergency situation, who knows. And then as I got closer, I was like, what am I talking about? Schedule me for the C-section. <laughs> no, I'm not going to try and have the baby naturally. Are you kidding me? No, such a stupid idea. So I went in, scheduled C-section with her. Everything was great. Her, I remember her being born. I got to see her little face. Very... Um, healing for me that experience but then she ended up having jaundice and she had some breathing issues so we went to a regular room I was like this is going to be so beautiful she nursed right away and then that night they took her to the NICU so she ended up being in the NICU too 
Um, and I left another baby at the hospital and went home without her. So it was just so, and I feel like her experience was worse uh, as far as it was so much shorter and it was so, but I had this impression in my mind that it was going to be different because of how it went. And then it wasn't, you know? And so I, I really dealt with some major emotions after that, which seems crazy to anyone who's listening, I'm sure, because she was in the, she was born on uh, December 20th. We took her home on Christmas Day. So she was in the NICU for five days, uh, which seems like a very short period of time compared to my son. But it was torture, too. Like we were doing the same thing. I was nursing, um, you know, and they were trying to get the jaundice fixed. And it was just same thing, hooked up to cords, monitors, like the whole thing. And then it was Christmas, you know, so we were just, it was hard. It was really hard with her. So but what a great fun. Christmas present. Yeah. And they dressed her up in this little um, red bow when we brought cute. her home. It was so, <laughs> so cute. cute. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a crazy ride for us, for sure. Then I was like, please uh, tie my tubes because I'm not having any more kids. <laughs> That's it. People ask us that. Are you having more? I, like, are you going to adapt to get more? No. I believe the words out of Kai's dad's mouth were, if you get pregnant again, I will take a professional hit out on you. So <laughs> that kind of sealed the deal. <laughs> One it. and done. Yeah. One and done. I we didn't even know if we were gonna have a second baby because of our experience with Nixon. And I really honestly think if she wouldn't have been like kind of unplanned, we probably wouldn't have, you know, had another baby just because it was so traumatic for us. But I'm glad we did because then it was kind of a little bit of healing. Um you didn't have the blood pressure issues and stuff with her. You didn't have well, I was on medication. So my body was so messed up after having Nixon. I've been on medication ever since. And they found out that I have an autoimmune condition, which probably led to the preeclampsia and the help syndrome in the first place, but I didn't actually have it diagnosed um, when I was pregnant, so they couldn't treat it. So I was treating my autoimmune as well as blood pressure issues throughout her pregnancy and being monitored by great doctors. Thumbs up to yeah. them. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> These stories are just like my heart. Well, so incredible. Jamie you cried mentioned- several times. I know. <laughs> yeah, Surprise. I know. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I, you, I, I don't remember a lot about it, obviously, because I forgot that I bled early on. And then Tabitha, you said morphine. I had morphine because I had a C-section, but I had a reaction to it. So they had to give me shots in my hip every couple hours. So I wouldn't throw up because they didn't want me to rip my stitches. So it's all coming back to me now, but yeah, it's pretty uneventful. You forget some of those details yeah. too, like, or you're just yeah. so foggy from the experience. That's our birth stories. Thanks for joining us. Tune in next yeah. time for more. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the table for episode three of our series, Talk Like a Mother. Make sure to join us for episode four, Diagnosis, Autism. From the signs we miss to the things we wish we had known earlier. See you there.